This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Hi, I'm Steve Lascauzo, and yes, if you're tuning in for the recap, things are going to go a little differently this week. Instead of doing the recap and review all in one episode, we're going to try something different. We're going to try to make the episodes a little shorter, and I'm going to try to handle the recap all by myself, and then maybe record an episode where we review the episode together, Andy, Tim, and myself. So let's get started. Grogu. (laughs) I want to start out by saying this is going to be a very spoiler-heavy podcast, so if you haven't seen season two episode six chapter 14 please don't continue to watch there's not going to be warnings throughout this is the entire podcast is going to be a bunch of spoilers for the episodes so please take this as your one and only warning uh if you haven't seen the episode make sure you go do that first unless you don't care uh we always start out our shows with um thank yous for people who send tweets or emails you can send emails to this is the way podcast at gmail.com but you can also tweet at us at this is the way pod and i just want to say a big thank you to rfb's always tweeting that we're on the podcast listen list for him and he's always got a kind word to say in fact i tweeted out uh earlier this week about having so much trouble editing the latest recap episode for chapter 13 because there was this really loud hum during the um, recording of the podcast, and I found ways around it. But uh, RFB had a kind word and said, I have no expectations from Yunz. Just happy to have your show in my playlist. Thank you for doing what you do and sharing with us. And thank you, RFB, for always retweeting everything that we we put out there. Um, It's really kind of you. I know that people... I mean, I can see that people are listening to our show, and but there's just not a lot of engagement right now. And um, you doing that is very kind uh, because there's a lot of people that listen and, 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 and don't engage with us. And I'm not sure why that is, but that's okay, too. You can just listen. Um, or you can send feedback in like Todd T. did, did last week, Commerce City, Colorado. I just finished the Chapter 12 recap. Good episode. Thank you. He says, I like the thoughts and predictions you guys had, even though I listened to it after watching Chapter 13, The Jedi. So he watched Chapter 13, and then he he went back and listened to Chapter 12. He said he found it humorous that Tim was thinking that Chapter 13 would be kind of a low and not uh, get something as exciting. And uh, remember that I think Tim's comment was based more on what we've seen from previous episodes. Uh, but we'll ask Tim when we see him. We'll we'll bring this uh, email back up to, to Tim and, and see what he thinks. But um, Todd goes on to say, I do think that the whole cloning storyline in the series is intentional. I think after Ryan Johnson ruined the possible storylines involving Snoke and J.J. Abrams haphazardly fixed by putting a clone in a jar in T-R-O-S, The Rise of Skywalker, I think Filoni and Favreau are attempting to retcon cloning in the franchise. Now, all those... Things that he said are, uh, even though I agree personally, me, Steve, the host, agrees personally with Todd, I, those are all his comments. Uh, he continues, I think those black troopers at the end are death troopers that will serve as a protection guard for Moff Gideon, much like the Crimson Guards Emperor's Royal Guard of the Old Legends area material. And I think he is experimenting with the cloning process so that he can perfect it 
in order to make a clone of the child. Well, we will see about that part. <clears throat> I feel similarly about the cloning and about Ryan Johnson definitely um, ruining storylines involving Snoke. Um, but we find out in this episode that those aren't death troopers, but they're dark troopers. And they are resurrected from the Legends video games and stories. But they they definitely seem to be a Praetorian guard, kind of like the Death Troopers were for Director Krennic in Rogue One. Uh, the Death Troopers were following him around, and these definitely uh, are taking commands from him. Uh, we also know that the child is a donor, but we don't know for who yet. So it could be for him. Or somebody else, um, but we, that that remains to be seen. And Todd wraps everything up by saying, "Well done, everyone, and thank you once again." Please, if you have comments, send them in because at this point we will <laughs> we will read all serious comments um, and, and address them. And, and Todd, thank you very much for being a loyal listener. Grogu. <sighs> okay, so episode announcement time. December 4th, 2020, Season 2, Episode 6, Chapter 14, The Tragedy. Written by John Favreau and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Score by Ludwig Göransson. The Mandalorian Child Travel to an Ancient Site was the tagline. And Disney Plus is not placing any given names. So he didn't, it didn't say Grogu, but it also didn't say Din Djarin. So uh, it's probably more style than protecting against spoilers. Uh, it was 27 minutes, 10 seconds from the first moment to the credit roll. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, the director, he made movies like El Mariachi, which had a gunslinging guitar player. Uh, so did Desperado. It continued that story for him. Spike, he made the Spy Kids movie franchise. Adventures of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Sin City, Alita Battle Angel. Uh, a lot more, uh, and he's got a signature way of telling his stories, and I gotta say, it works here. He didn't do like episode one where uh, of this season, uh, chapter nine, the Marshal. He didn't do that one, which would have been a very westerny kind of story. He did something unique with this episode, and uh, it was fantastic. I, I, I. I think I'll just say right here, my, my feelings on the show were, it was fantastic. It was really, really good. Had a lot of, oh my goodness moments. And uh, I I can't wait to hear what Tim and Andy have to say about it. There was one new name on the official cast list. So Pedro Pascal was back as Din Jaren. Tamuera Morrison is back as Boba Fett. He appeared very briefly at the end of Chapter 9. Ming-Na Wen is back as Fennec Shan. She was in Chapter 5, The Gunslinger, back in Season 1. Moff Gideon is back, Giancarlo Esposito. Gina Carano was in this episode. Um, Not Carl Weathers, but just Gina Carano as Cara Dune. So Grief Karga did not make an appearance, even though that was his office. Uh, we saw at the end. Katie M. O'Brien as a comms officer. That's her second episode. And then Gabriel Bear as a gunnery officer was the new name that I uh, seem to notice. But probably very unimportant. Um, there was one thing that came up. Who is responsible for Grogu? That You know, you say, oh, well, it's puppeteers, right? Well, somebody's got to do his voice, right? So I did a little bit of internet sleuthing, and I found a Twitter post by the supervising sound editor, Matthew Wood, and we'll tell you a little bit about his voice um, when it comes up during our recap of the show. 
thank Farrick. Hey, this is a good time to thank Cufflinks.com. They've been sponsoring us uh, all season, and I don't mean they've been giving us money to say this all, all season. They really just provided us with some of their products to, to check out because they knew that we were big fans of The Mandalorian, and a lot of their new products are centered on The Mandalorian. They do have plenty of other stuff, though, so check out Cufflinks.com. They've got Marvel stuff. They've got uh, baseball team, football team stuff. Other Disney property stuff, there, there's a whole bunch of things on cufflinks.com. And if you're looking for some last-minute gift ideas, it is December after all, um, you, you're running out of time. But you do still have the option of adding uh, a coupon code uh, during your checkout. The Way 15, T-H-E-W-A-Y-1-5, for 15% off everything on the site except for two brands, Bosca and Tokens and Icons. And today, uh, I took a little picture of some of the socks that they sent. And I'm actually going to hit share on this Instagram post right now. It's about 1.45 p.m. on Friday. And that's when I'm posting this. That's when I'm recording. And that's when I posted a little picture on our Instagram at This Is The Way Pod. And so if you go check it out, you can see uh, some of the great stuff that they sent us. And you still do have time to use that coupon code, THEWAY15. And check us out on cufflinks.com. Or you check out at cufflinks.com and use that code. You did good. Okay, it's time to recap. We left off with the Mandalorian and the child traveling to Corvus to meet former Jedi Ahsoka Tano. And then we learned that the child has a name there. Grogu. He spent years at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant training as a Jedi before Order 66, but he was taken away by someone. Ahsoka said she cannot train him because she senses much fear in him. Well, after helping liberate the town of Caladan on Corvus, the quest got an update. Head to the planet Tython and reach out through the Force to see if someone will come and help train Grogu. Our dynamic duo was last seen taking off from Corvus in chapter 13 in the razor crest looks like we're gonna have to travel the last stretch with the windows down okay as i said this is going to be a little different so our recap is going to be just done just by me this week and then we'll hear a review hopefully uh later uh, in the next episode if we can make that work it's just been really tough around the holidays to, to get everybody together to do an episode. So we're going to try this way, and we'll see if it works. And if it doesn't, we'll be back to the old way of doing things next week. But first, let's get to the recap. We open up in space. The Razorcrest approaches an Earth-like planet. It's got more land than water from what it looks like. And Grogo is playing with that little metal ball that came on that lever. Uh, it looks like he's intently studying it. And... I'm not sure if that's supposed to signify something like, is there something about this from something in his past, like in his old Jedi training, or is it just a comfort thing for him? Tim mentioned last uh, recap that it evoked the Death Star a little bit. Um, and if you go back and look, it did. It had a little red dot on it, um, which is Imperial. The red color would be the Imperial color, um, even though that the Death Star had the, the green laser that came out. Uh, now, there seems to be this blue section on the little metal ball. 
Um, but uh, I'm not really sure what, what the ball is supposed to signify other than just being, like I said, that little item that he likes to play with. Uh, the Mandalorian's having fun saying the child's name. He He's being answered with coos. Like, every time he says Grogu, he kind of laughs at one point. Um, well, we found out what is just making those cute little sounds. So Matthew Wood, as I mentioned earlier in this podcast episode, um, put out a little tweet uh, in answer to someone else who said they, that somebody was asking about wrong answers only, you know, what, who does the voice of Grogu. And I thought we were going to find out that it was um, John Favreau because John Favreau did the voice, I found out just recently from the movies that made or holiday movies that made us episode on the on elf which john favreau directed that john favreau did the voice of um the narwhal where it says hi buddy hope you find your dad um well i thought for sure that the child was going to be um was going to be john favreau but it's not uh, according to matthew wood he said it was baby samples so human babies but also bat-eared foxes, kinkajous, and then also the voice of Dave Accord from Skywalker Sound. Uh, he was a supervising sound editor on The Force Awakens. He worked on Clone Wars, Rebels, Lego Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker, and he also worked on Super 8 with J.J. Abrams. And he's part of the Skywalker Sound team that won the Outstanding Sound Editing for a Comedy or Drama Series Half Hour and Animation in 2020. But... He is, I guess, responsible for the cute little Grogu voices that we've been hearing for quite some time, even though he doesn't get an actual credit. So if you're wondering who does that cute little voice, um, I guess you could say it's Dave Accord, but it's a mix of all those things, the baby samples, battered foxes, and kinkajous, and Dave Accord's voice. So there's some trivia for you. Uh, Jaren, okay, he takes the ball, which Grogu doesn't seem to appreciate, and it's it apparently is for some impromptu training. Grogu takes a little encouraging before he forces force pulls it out of Jaren's hand, and Jaren shouts, "Dank Ferric!" So Filoni and Favreau are quadrupling down on this. They they really want Dank Ferric to take off, uh, but Dank Ferric, I'm not going to say it anymore. <laughs> uh, Grogu drops the ball when he hears Jaren shout, but uh, the Mandalorian assures Grogu, "Hey, no, he, you did well." He refers to the nice lady uh, and that he had some training. He tells Grogu, you're very special, kid, and that they're going to find a place where he belongs and they're going to take real good care of him there. He also says that Grogu has to agree with him if they uh, want him to leave with them, and Grogu kind of shrugs at that. I mean, I'm not sure if that's just me reading into it, but he says, um, you know, I can't train you because you're too powerful, and don't you want to learn all that Jedi stuff? And Grogu just grunts at that. Um, but Jaren says, hey, I agreed to take you back to your own kind, and that's what I need to do. You understand, right? And it doesn't look like uh, Grogu's really uh, remarking on that at all. He just kind of is sit there, sitting there playing with the ball. So then we get the title card, which is the tragedy. And whoa, tragedy? <laughs> I was not ready for that. What tragedy? Right away... There's cause to be anxious. The first thing now that brought to mind for me, for and maybe for all of you big Star Wars fans out there, is it, Palpatine's story to Anakin in Revenge of the Sith. Tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise. I think that's even what he said. Uh, Palpatine said, Did you ever hear the tragedy of 
Darth Plagueis the Wise. And so, how does that apply to here? Well, the reason why I thought it applied was because in that story, he tells of an ominous Sith legend where there's a powerful lord who became so powerful he could influence the midichlorians to create life. We have heard midichlorians name dropped this season, right? So he said, Palpatine said, such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. Now, I don't know if that really applies here, but it of course applied to Palpatine, uh, who has been using clones, we found out, in Rise of Skywalker, right? He said, uh, he, he told Anakin, the dark side of the force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. So that's where that phrase came from way back in Revenge of the Sith. Uh, he says further that Plagueis became so powerful, the only f- thing he feared was losing his power, which he did, which the Empire has. Um, he says, you know, before he died, he taught every his apprentice everything he knew and the apprentice killed him in his sleep. How ironic. He could save others, but not himself. And then uh, Anakin asked famously, is it possible to learn this power? And uh, Palpatine, Palpatine said, not from a Jedi. So um, how does this apply here? Well, there's cloning. There's midichlorians and um, people who've lost their power and then are trying to keep it. So it, it could just be a thematic thing. Or maybe um, Grogu has something more to do with the Empire and Palpatine. Or maybe just um, Moff Gideon. Uh, maybe Moff Gideon's the one who is trying to seize power and trying to use a Jedi or a Jedi's blood to do it. So after the Talcar, we go back to space. Razorcrest enters Titan's atmosphere. Jaren seems to find the spot pretty quickly. I mean, at this point, we just kind of have to suspend disbelief on stuff like that. He says, uh, you know, I guess we're going to find this magic rock, <laughs> he calls it. Uh, the Razor Crest circles. Jaren says he can't land on the top and they'll have to travel last bit with the windows down, which means by jetpack, which I thought was a cute little line with the windows down means just by jetpack there. Uh, as they enter the rock circle, the Mandalorian theme is played on the recorder. So it's not a Jedi or a Force theme here. It's the it's the th- uh, the familiar theme song for the, for the Mandalorian the, on the recorder. Um, and the circle is a, is a set of six plinths of stone that are angled inward, kind of like Stonehenge. And it's as if they're protecting the center of the circle. And there's a little circular depression in the center down a couple of short steps and in the center of all of that is a half dome of rock or maybe it's a full sphere but uh, we only see the half dome of rock on the ground with some carvings on it and all of that overlooks a valley but there's nothing below them or for miles around we didn't see towns ruins anything nothing Um, all we saw were the stones on on top of this little hill and the rock appears to be actually built up to form this overlook, too. It looks like the rocks were put there somehow. Not not that's, that it's... I mean, it could be a natural uh, formation, but uh, the rocks at the top certainly aren't. So, Jaren, get, they, they get there, and Jaren says he guesses this is it. And he asks Grogu, does this look Jedi to you? Which I thought was funny because, you know, we're the audience listening to him. And, you know, so it's almost as if Favreau and them are saying, or Robert Rodriguez is saying, hey, look, is this Jedi enough? <laughs> um, which I always appreciate those little um, 
nods that go you know, that work on two levels. Uh, he places Grogu on the stone in the middle, and he asks, "Are you seeing anything on the scene stone?" Or maybe then he says, "Are they supposed to see him?" Which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, then he starts to scan around, and like nothing's happening. So he starts to scan around for a control or like a switch or a button or something, I guess, which is probably what most of us would have done. He's a little impatient, you know, and Grogu is distracted by a butterfly. And Jaren was like, come on, man, like, let's get this going. Ahsoka told me I just had to get you here and then you do the rest. Then a ship flies in. Jaren sees it. And it looks just like Boba Fett's ship, doesn't it? Slave one. Well, Jaren gets nervous. Grogu seems to start focusing then. Just when he wants to leave, Grogu seems to activate the stone or whatever, and a beacon of blue light shoots out. Reach Well, it doesn't shoot out, but it, it reaches towards the sky, I guess into space as well, and it surrounds him. It's like a force barrier of some kind. So Jaren tries to grab Grogu, but he's forced back. He's like pushed back when he gets up. He's a little bit shaken, and then we hear his voice. from like Our vantage point is from inside the the barrier and his voice is a little distorted we can't hear him though so i guess grogu can hear him um but uh he sees someone leave the landed ship he scans he sees someone leaving the ship and he says hey we gotta go but then he says he'll try to buy grogu some time uh but can you please hurry it up like come on finish your phone call and let's go um so then he leaves the circle and he leaves the high ground now I, I'm a little confused with this. I'd love to hear what Andy and Tim have to think about this. Why not stay and defend him right there, right? Why leave the high ground unless you're concerned about your ship? And it didn't show the Slave 1 landing right near the sh- near the Razor Crest. So I don't know what you know what he's so concerned about. I mean, really, the, the most important thing to him is up there on the hill... And bad dad moment here. He's leaving the child up there. I guess he figures he's in that force field, but what happens if the force field goes away, right? So Jaren is walking down the rocks. He's not jetpacking back to the ship. And then he's fired upon. And we hear a voice. I've been tracking you, Mandalorian. Uh, Star Wars fans may have recognized that voice and knew it was the voice of many clones from the prequels era of, mo- era of movies, but it's also Jango's, Jango Fett's voice because it's Boba Fett. I mean, we know it's Boba Fett. He doesn't say it's Boba Fett yet, but we know it's Boba Fett. Can I say Boba Fett one more time? Boba Fett. So Jaren asks if the cloak figure is a Jedi. That's not out of the realm. I mean, he doesn't know. He sees a cl- guy wearing a cloak uh, and, you know, something like that. Asking Boba Fett if he's a Jedi might have once insulted him considering his father's death, right? Fett takes the cowl or the, the cloak off his, off his head and we see his face. It is horribly scarred, I guess, from Sarlacc acid. I'm, I mean, that's canon that he fell into the Sarlacc pit. But remember, the Sarlacc takes a really long time to digest its food, and I guess he got out before it killed him, but it definitely seems to have left him with some huge scars. Uh, Jaren continues, you know, he asks um, if it's a Jedi or are you after the child? The stranger, still not officially Boba Fett here, says he's here for the armor, 
And Jaren mistakes it to mean the armor he's currently wearing. He says, you'll have to peel it off my dead body. The stranger reveals himself to us, to the fans, because he says he doesn't want Jaren's shiny Beskar. He wants my armor. The armor that Jaren got from Cobb Vanth on Tatooine saying, it belongs to me. Now that is confirmation to us. That armor was Boba Fett's armor. Jaren asks, he's still in the dark. He asks if he's Mandalorian because he believes, you know, that's the only thing that gives someone the right to the armor. Fett responds with his father's line from Attack of the Clones, I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy. But then he also drops the Luke Skywalker line. He says, like my father before me, right after that. Which, you know, those things are not by accident. That is Favreau and Filoni, in my opinion, doing things the right way. They're nodding to the original trilogy and to the prequel trilogy. And just, I mean, in in two lines there, we got the prequels and the original trilogy tied together. Um, it just masterfully done, I think. Uh, so great writing by John Favreau. Jaren asks if Fett took the Creed because the Beskar belongs to the Mandalorians by Creed. But Jaren still just doesn't get it. Even after hearing Bo-Katan tell him he's part of a cult when they, when they were all on Trask, you know, Fett responds, I give my allegiance to no one. Jaren, still on that kick, he says it was looted from us during the purge. Fett says the armor with his father's was his father's, now it's his. Jaren threatens him. Fett counters, says there's a sharpshoot on the ridge with a locked scope that will unload before my body hits the ground. Jaren gets cocky, says he's the one wearing Beskar. And as soon as he sees the muzzle flash, they're both dead. Fett, of course, doesn't mean... She was going to shoot you, but the companion on the henge. And I noticed she right away. I was like, okay, that brings me back to episode five, chapter five, the post credit scene. So that was Boba Fett approaching Fennec Shan's body at the end of the Gunslinger episode. Jan recognizes Shan's voice when she says, if you remember, I don't miss Jaren is probably getting a little heated. He tells Shan to point the gun away or he'll drop them both, readying the Whistling Birds weapons on his little wrist guard bracer thing. Fett, though, tries to de-escalate. He says, everyone should put down their weapons and have a chat. There's no need for bloodshed. Jaren just wants Grogu safe. Fett says, he'll tell Shan to put down the rifle when Jaren takes off the jetpack, and they all do that. Things calm down. Shan comes down with her helmet in hand, Jaren, of course, still wearing his. He's not showing his face. She says, looks like you've just seen a ghost, referring to herself. Jaren says, I thought you were dead. I, that, you know, she, when last he left, I guess, uh, or when he came back, or no. He might have heard from, or just figured, I guess. Uh, I don't remember if there was much time at the end of the gunslinger for him to go back and, and look for the body or something. But I guess he probably just thought that the guy, when he was trying to come and take the child, um, he just figured that, that, that he killed her because they were supposed to go back uh, and get her. Uh, Fett says she was left for dead on the sands of Tatooine, just like he was. But fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched. Great line. Uh, I'm just becoming a really big fan of Favreau's writing. Uh, Shand opens up a wrap on her torso. And it turns out, at least in the around her diaphragm area of her torso, she's mechanical. There's like pistons and, you know, it's like she's like C-3PO in there. Um, saying in her case, Boba Fett was her fate. And now 
she is in his service. Now, I don't know if she's mostly metal or just in that area in the middle. I don't think she's... I mean, she, obviously, she's not a droid. She's just doing him a favor because she's still alive. But it's a really interesting to me. Like, there, there was a... It wasn't just a little tiny portion. It was, like, all the way from side to side. So maybe she had some major internal damage done by that blaster bolt. Um from the uh, other bounty hunter but whatever it is she's she's alive now and she's you know she i guess she owes boba fett one fett wants the armor jaren says goes against creed we find out though that the armor was given to Django by jaren's forebears he says and he offers to exchange the safety of the child and him for the armor shan points out the bounty on the child makes this a good deal. She said you could buy 10 suits of armor for, for the bounty that's on his head. That means that this armor, this one armor, compared to 10 armors, is very special to Fett. Um, he still hasn't said his name, but since he name drops his dearly decapitated dad, we know who it is. I mean, we know. If your dad's Jane, we know this is Boba Fett, right? We're the audience, though. He still hasn't said his name, Boba Fett. The one thing that I just come back to is I'm just not sure how he tracked him and why he waited. Why didn't he just go in and steal the armor on Corvus if he's been tracking him? Unless it's not that simple. I I, I don't know. Or maybe he wanted the confrontation um, and it was just waiting to do so. Or maybe he knew that, um, you know... I, I'm guessing that he was tracking him since Tatooine, right? So he had a he had a, a problem where some bounty hunters were were trying to take the child outside of um, Mos Eisley, and and Boba Fett didn't get him there. He didn't track him to Trask or to the. I mean, obviously he wouldn't track track him um, uh, when X-wing pilots were after him, but. You know, there's a there's a lot of opportunities I think for him to have gotten his armor back, and he didn't. Um, but it just the reason why it's stuck out stuck out to me was because this planet is like abandoned. It's like a lonely planet. There's no life forms that we can see of any kind, really. I mean, the the butterflies, the only life form that I can remember being on this planet. But as they're talking, another ship flies in on this lonely planet. It's an atmospheric assault lantern, AAL. Those are the ones that we saw at the beginning of the Force Awakens, where the troops were coming in, um, where Finn, uh, you know, came in with his other troops, and they, they uh, on Jakku. Um, it's also been in Star Wars Resistance, I think. I looked it up. Uh, so they see that troop assault coming in they i don't know that they know it's a troop a troop uh carrier but all three start to run so shand and boba fett go off to find out who's landing and uh jaren goes i guess back to grogu so the ship it lands right next to the razor crest grogu is still up on the seeing stone and jaren when jaren gets to the top he decides to try again to grab the child he I can't figure out from the music cues like what they're trying to clue us in on, what's what's happening while Grogu is reaching out through the Force. So there wasn't like a Force theme or Luke's theme, Leia's theme, or anything like that. And if there was, it was altered so that I couldn't figure out what the music cue was. Now, it's not like a Force shield, though, because he can reach in, uh, and it, it 
it's further out than the blue light because he's like almost like walking against the wind to get close enough to Grogu. But he can't get it close enough because he's shot away by the force again. He's bounced back. Now we also see that there's markings that are glowing bright blue on the seeing stone. And I stopped, I froze the video. It does not appear to be Oribesh. So there was no, I, this was the time when I was going to go in and get the alphabet out and start and translate, but I couldn't, I really couldn't tell, um, what it, what it was saying. So I think it's just some, some random markings or some language that they haven't invented yet. Maybe Tythonese or something. Uh, Shan and Fett, while uh, Jaren's up top there, they set up with rifles as a ship opens up. They start blasting. It, it is a troop transport. Troopers are coming out, and they are classically inept, just rushing up the hill as they're getting picked off by the rifles, uh, rifle shots from Shan and, and Fett. And one of the stormtroopers has a yellow or an orange pauldron on him. He, he tells the others to basically just rush up the hill, but then also he wants them to flank them. So Shan and Fett split up. And then this is when we see some awesome action for Boba Fett. If you're a Boba Fett fan, like I think my brother really was a, a huge Boba Fett fan growing up, uh, this must this must really be your cup of tea because Fett had the gaffy stick that he had back in Chapter 9 at the end in the Marshall. He had a rifle, but he also had a gaffy stick on him, um, which is one of those uh, things that, to clean the teeth of the Banthas. We found that out in the Marshall episode as well. Well... He's had a lot of time to practice using that as the weapon because he swings a mean stick. Now, Ewoks dropped rocks on Stormtroopers in Return of the Jedi, okay? In this show, the gaffy stick is shattering that plastoid Stormtrooper armor. It's piercing it. The little, the sharp point at the end is piercing it. Fett just shows no mercy, and we hear a little tune a little a bit of his new theme song again or his new theme that we heard at the end of chapter nine's the marshall when he was revealed there was like a but uh really cool little you know it's something i think that we that we're gonna you know, see associated with Boba Fett going forward. Yeah. Good. So Shand is jumping and no scoping, even as troops are setting up a repeating blaster against her and they're shelling her with mortars. And she decides to push free a boulder that kind of got loosened up by one of those mortars. And she, Indiana Jones and the lost Ark rolls it down the hill. It takes out a bunch of the troopers and then the repeating blaster machine gunner guy and the orange pauldron captain sees that, and he's just, just like telling the men to go, go, go. So then Fett taps him with the gaffy stick, so he, I guess, flanked them, knocks him down, and then two approaching stormtroopers, and then we hear the captain plead for his life, saying no. And Fett, again, shows no mercy. That was a little bit uncomfortable for me. I'm Not that I wanted Fett to show mercy, but just like I don't, I didn't really want to hear him pleading for his life. You know, I mean, I... You would uh, if you're just a, a, a helpless soldier, but hearing that really made it harder for me to be on board with the savagery that they were exhibiting over the stormtroopers. I like to hear my stormtroopers be dumb and, you know, evil, you know, and I don't like to hear them 
calling out. For, I don't want to hear him calling out for their mom or saying, no, 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 please. No. You know, I don't, I don't like that part. Um, it, it just, there's, it rubs me wrong. Um, so he, he kills the captain and he looks over his shoulder, I guess. And he sees his armor through the side door of the razor crest. So <laughs> we know what's happening. He's going to put that armor on, isn't he? Um, back to Shan. She's showing more moves including a really cool shot. She backwards jumps off of a rock outcropping, shoots a couple times, several troopers she takes out at close range. More are coming in, but then she sees another transport land, throws her helmet at a trooper, shoots him. And then we go back up to Jaren on the rocks or at the rock circle. And he's shaking off the effects of trying to get Grogu out of the force beam. He sees him meditating. And then he sees more troops uh, out of the second transport so he tries one more time to get him, and then he leaves. But if he had just waited just a tad bit longer, and in that moment it's really hard to say you're going to wait some more, but if he had waited just a little bit longer, the trance would have ended. He could have grabbed them maybe and made off of them there. But he left him. Grogu passed out on top of the stone, and the, and the trance ended, and the force shield was gone. Shan still shooting a rifle when troopers surround them. And then they tell her, they say, give yourselves up. So we know that Jaren is close by then. They say, give yourselves up. We only want the child. Jaren activates the whistling birds. Doesn't get them all, but it gets a whole bunch of them. And then he starts tanking, basically, all the shots from the stormtroopers. He stands in front of Shan to shield her. And he's they're hitting him again and again. Usually stormtroopers can't. You know, can't hit anything, but it seems like they really can't miss now. He's taking all this blaster fire. He offers, though, to let Shan go, and he will stay. And he says he owes her one. I don't know how. I mean, they kidnapped her. I don't remember her owing him unless it was things that he she said. I, I don't exactly know why... He owes her. Maybe it dates back further than that. But she says, no, they have a deal. Um, so a timed explosive lands then. It's not a thermal detonator. Uh, but it is an explosive. And someone jets in behind a stormtrooper. It's Boba Fett. It was just really cool. He's shooting. He's punching. And then I, I swear it was like an Iron Man pulse sound. When he fires. He, he like basically shoots back a guy. Kind of like. Um, Jaren was being pushed back from the force. He kind of force pushes a guy, but it was like with a pulse from his gauntlet, or maybe he shot him or something. I don't know. Maybe it was a weapon that made the guy, the stormtrooper, go shooting away. And then he also has a knee guard that shoots two troopers. And at that, the rest kind of run away. One does stand up behind him while, like, he's getting to his feet, and Fett fires behind him like he knew he was behind him. And the troopers are, they're like, I, we've had enough. There's three of them now. We're, we're, we're out of here. One just makes it in time onto the, onto the uh, troop transport. But uh, it doesn't work out too well for them. Because he, Fett activates his helmet targeting device, the little, the little antenna thing. It flips down. He aims at the lower of the two transport, fires the rocket, and it hits the transport that's higher in altitude, which crashes into the other, taking out both.
Mandalorian, of course, saying, nice shot. Fett responds, well, I was aiming at the other one. Uh, but because of the way it was shot, it's really unclear if he was shooting at the wrong one or not. Because they, like, one shot, you kind of see them going away, and then, then there's a reverse shot, but it's the same kind of an angle. It's really a little unclear. I think I think that was on purpose, actually. I think they did that on purpose, made it unclear, because, you know, I mean, he was clearly shooting at the other one. At, I, I thought the other one, the... the you know the one on the right or something if it, one was on the right and it was low and then when you switch to the other side it was higher and then you switch to another shot when the rocket's going and it it just very confusing but i think that was on purpose so um you know the threat's over right well no a bolt of red comes from the clouds a very large laser bolt the razor crest explodes it is destroyed our favorite piece of pre-Empire surplus is gone. Shan says, Fett should go back to his ship, and he rockets back to Slave 1. Jaren scans the atmosphere, sees an Imperial light cruiser. He starts heading back to Grogu, but not by jetpack. Grogu, remember, is asleep on the stone, passed out, right? So, it's the post-Imperial cruiser... That's Moff Gideon's ship that we saw at the end of Chapter 12's The Siege. Gideon hears from his officer about the direct hit and asks, Are the dark, have the dark troopers been engaged? Which confirms it, folks. The black suits we saw at the end of The Siege are confirmed. Dark troopers. They were first seen in Star Wars Dark Forces. That was a video game way back when. It's non-canon, but you know there were actually Kenner toys made at one point. And the hero of that game was sent by Mon Mothma, I believe, to destroy the Dark Trooper project. And his name was Kyle Katarn. So maybe we end up maybe we end up seeing Kyle Katarn in some form or fashion or hearing about him maybe in some form um, in the last two episodes. Or maybe not. Um, but I just thought it was really cool because I, rem- I can remember playing Dark Forces. I think uh, we had it on CD-ROM if I'm not mistaken. Um, we see the dark troopers activated. They jet out of the ship, but they do not need jetpacks. Oh no, these things fly like Iron Man suits. I mean, that was one of the first things I thought was those look like Iron Man. What the way they're flying, they look like uh, Iron Man. Now they land and surround Grogu. They walk a little like Terminators. They're they're kind of like a cross between the Iron Man suits that we see in all of the Iron Man movies, but also uh, there was a little bit of a Terminator vibe to them, the way their midsections were situated. They, 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 they were a little bit more exposed than the... Remember, the, the Iron Man suits were a suit for a human being. These are just droids. So um, I don't know what they're made out of. Maybe Beskar, but whatever they're made out of, um, it's dark. It's a dark, dark metal. And they have red eyes, really intimidating-looking um, droids. Um, Jaren sees um, them flying off and see, can see the child, um, but he doesn't follow them. So Shand radios to Fett and tells them, they have the baby, do not let them get away. And the first thing I'm thinking of is like, who's the boss here? Like, I thought she owed him one, but she's like telling him what to do. Maybe because she's on comms? I, I don't know. But Boba Fett gets a lock. He says he gets a lock on the Dark Troopers. Jaren says, no, stop him because he doesn't want the child hurt. Apparently, he can hear what's going on, but he can't talk to him. I, I don't get that either. 
So Shan tells Fett, abort pursuit, disengage. You know, they don't want to hurt the child. So Fett does, and he says, I'm going to resort to a loose follow to see where they're going. So Slave One's climbing up after the dark troopers, and Fett gradually sees the cruiser through the clouds. And he says, they're back. And um, I kind of thought like Terminator. I, you know, they're they're back. And and Shan's like, that's says who the Empire. And she says that can't be. Uh, she says the Outer Rim is under the jurisdiction of the New Republic. And Fett says it isn't the spice dream because he can see the cruiser was on his own eyes. So I don't know if it was like the spice of Kessel or whatever. But you know, spice is also in the Dune series as being like a hallucinogenic that helps with interspace um, hyperspace travel. Um, but you know, he sees the, his, sees it with his own eyes and he heads down just as the cruiser jumps into hyperspace. But I do want to call attention. Now it was a seemingly a throwaway line, but Shan says the outer rim is under the jurisdiction of the new Republic, but Titan was part of the deep core planet section of the galaxy in the comic books. So they were canon as being part of the dark deep core but now they're part of the outer they're in the outer rim i don't know if that was just a mistake or what but i think movies that have always trumped all the books and other media so i don't know maybe it goes movies at the top then the tv shows sitting one rung down and then after that what books and then after that comic books and then video games or are video games like i don't know what the hierarchy of canon is but uh, we were always supposed to believe that Titan was uh, an inner core, uh, a deep core planet. I want you to take a look at something. I checked the Star Wars The Old Republic game, and it is about as close to the center of the galaxy as you can get on um, on that game. And there's also, I think, a Wikipedia entry uh, with a map. And so I think this is just... I think this is just a mistake, um, and and it's probably not canon because Titan is supposed to be way, way in the deep core section of the galaxy. Uh, but you know, Fennec Shan obviously said, uh, you know, the outer rim. Um, maybe it even gets changed. I'll have to check later. We'll have to check to see because I have a sneaking suspicion that some. I know that at least one shot was changed in the siege. Uh, they CGI'd out the guy who was in the the crew member who was underneath um, Grief Karga's arm in one shot. Uh, they CGI'd him out. And I think they've added a couple of little scenes, like just maybe stuff that they they deleted uh, to make it tighter and then went back and said, we want to add a little more context because there's things that maybe I just missed them. Uh, but one of the reasons I've been putting in the time code or the time uh, from first shot to last is because I want to see if I go back ever and look to see what the time is to see if they've added any footage. Um, but I digress. Um, so then we get a shot of the Razorcrest wreckage, and there almost isn't any in the crater left by the blast. I mean, Jaren is you know basically picking through dust. He find he does find the little metal ball though. He pox, pockets that, and then he finds the Beskar spear. Um, so the Beskar spear can uh, you know not just um, withstand lightsabers, but huge turbo lasers from you know, light imperial cruisers fett tells jaren he wants him to look at something so an orange hologram emits from his wrist guard fett says this is my chain code encoded in the armor for 25 years he points to some symbols he says this is me boba fett 
absolute ironclad. We hear him say his name. This is me, Boba Fett. He points to some more, says this is his father, Jango Fett. And Jaren apparently reads the chain code and says, hey, your father was a foundling. Fett confirms that. And he says, Jango fought in the Mandalorian Civil Wars. And those wars were won by a group led by Satine Kreese, the Duchess and sister of Bo-Katan. And once upon a time, Qui-Gon Jinn and his Padawan Obi-Wan Kenobi were involved in that little conflict. And that helped destroy much of the planet, which is what Jaren ends up blaming on the Empire. But really, um, obviously, Jaren was very, very young. And at that point, you know, foundlings and stuff, maybe the children of the Watch were a little bit more mainstream, or maybe they were on the losing side. And, uh, you know, so, you know, Bo-Katan obviously describes them like a cult. Uh, But Jaren says, the armor belongs to Fett, uh, by Creed, I guess, um, or or just because based on ownership. And he says, I appreciate its return. He calls the deal complete. Jaren does. Fett says, no, no, no. The agreement called for the safety of the child. So Jaren says, child's gone. Fett says, though, until he's returned safely, they are in his debt, which I'm ready for a Boba Fett, Fennec Shand, Din Jaren team up. I'm, I'm all in for that. We're in space now above a blue volcanic planet. Slave one approaches the atmosphere and approaches a settlement. It's Navarro. Hey, we go inside Marshall Dune's office. Cara Dune's seated behind a desk, kind of like Grief Cargo was. Got her foot up on the desk. Jaren calls her a marshal of the New Republic and says, I heard rumors you'd gone legit. She says, ah, it's not that easy or not, you know, not all, not that true. And he tosses her the badge that the X-Wing ca- captain gave her. So now we know, okay, it's a badge. And he says, I need your help. I want you to locate a prisoner for me, an ex-Imperial sharpshooter named Mayfeld. Apprehended near the Delestri system on a derelict prison ship. Well, she looks him up and says, Yes, Migs Mayfield, serving 50 years in the Carthen Chop Fields for springing a prisoner himself, accessory to the death of a New Republic officer. So there's some pretty serious charges against him. Uh, but Jaren wants him to, to spring him, to, to help him locate Gideon's light cruiser. So looks like we're setting up for another prison break. Uh, maybe not though. So Caradun says, "I know how you, you know. I know that you know how I feel about the Empire, but the stripes on her new badge—that is, uh, of her new title—means she has to follow the rules." He says, "They have the kid," and when he says that, her demeanor seems to change. Then we go back to space in hyperspace, to be exact. Gideon's light cruiser. It's still in hyperspace after having jetted off from Titan. He heads off the bridge, down corridors. Stormtroopers flank him. But it says in the captioning, uh, stormtroopers grunting. And it sounds like they're in pain. So the cell door opens, and it's Grogu. He's angrily using the force to hurdle two troopers around the room. He even starts to force choke them. And the music cues here are very sorrowful and dark side sounding. And, uh, you know, obviously the child is is hurting. He's in pain. He, he wants his daddy kind of a thing. A trooper with Gideon wants to sun, stun the child, but Gideon says, wait, wait. And he's got a smile on his face. He's taking pleasure in watching the child toss the soldiers around. He's so evil. It's such a good little inclusion in this episode. And then Grogu gets done, and he's tired of from exerting himself using the Force. Gideon compliments him, says, 
you know, uh, you've gotten very good at that, but it makes you oh so sleepy. So perhaps the child has been with him before. Maybe he knows something of the history. Could Maybe he could have been involved in rescuing him from the temple. Maybe not taking him directly, but maybe helping him escape. He then asks, have you ever seen one of these um, from years past? And he lights the dark saber right in front of him, kind of menacingly. Grogu kind of reaches out, but Gideon says, uh-uh-uh, you're not ready to play with such things. Well, you're liable to put an eye out with one of these. And I perked up when I heard that line because Favreau directed Elf, which had him working with Peter Billingsley, who was in A Christmas Story, where there was the Red Rider BB gun, where everybody told him, you'll put your eye out, kid. So I just, I thought there, that had to have been a little nod from Robert Rodriguez or maybe even just John Favreau himself who wrote the episode. Uh, Gideon says, looks like you could use a nice long sleep to Grogu and lets the stormtrooper stun him. And then he orders him put in shackles and tells the comms officer to send an encrypted message to Dr. Pershing when they come out of hyperspace, saying they have got their donor. And then Gideon leaves the cell with Grogu in shackles. End credits. You're not ready to play with such things. So, there's a lot to talk about. There's story arcs setting up for the end of the season. We got Boba Fett. Uh, we're probably going to see Miggs Mayfield again. Maybe his uh, cohorts, Shian and Berg. Um, I think it's unlikely we see Sabine Wren this season or more of Bo-Katan. Unlikely we see Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn. It's, it might be a spinoff or maybe even a setup for Season 3. Maybe that whole those mentions were for Season 3. Um, and we're not sure who heard Grogu, if anybody. Uh, I'm assuming that he it's somebody who's alive, right? It's, it's not going to be Yoda or Obi-Wan that he's speaking to. Um, but maybe Luke, Leia, maybe Ezra Bridger from Rebels, maybe Palpatine, or maybe someone new. Maybe someone we've forgotten about or is not that popular or somebody they, they bring to the forefront. Maybe it's somebody completely new. It's going to be really exciting to see what they do uh in the last two episodes and then going forward uh i'm sure there's gonna be a season three and and maybe they've got really long-term plans and all this is prelude to all of that that we're gonna see in seasons to come put it in shackles all right i hope you've liked what we did today it's a very different from what our usual recaps are it was all me all the time today uh, let us know what you think, because uh, we do want to do a review with Tim and Andy. Uh, I don't want this to be all me. There are some of you, though, that like the recap part of this kind of show. And if you have a thought about it, give us your feedback. This is the way podcast at gmail.com on Twitter at this is the way pod Instagram. This is the way pod twitch.tv this is the way pod for watch along i did that earlier today which is friday december 4th 2020 um you can either catch it there or if it's expired it's probably on our youtube channel um we we do have a this is the way podcast youtube channel uh so far it's, it's only got a few things on it but bear with us we're trying to build up slowly and as we go forward we'll have more and more content um but for now we're just excited about this latest episode, Season 2, Episode 6, Chapter 14, The Tragedy. 
Season 2, Episode 7 will come next week. Chapter 15 airs December 11th. It's written and directed by Rick Famuyiwa. And he did The Prison as well as the second episode, uh, Episode 2 of chap- Chapter 2, Season 2, Season 1, Episode 2, Chapter 2, and Season 1, Episode 6, Chapter 6. Um, in Season 1, Episode 6, it was a prison break. Maybe he's the prison break guy for Star Wars. Or, or maybe it's a misdirect. Maybe we think we're going to get Migs, and maybe we don't. Maybe we get something totally different. There's nothing to go on from any of the trailers. It's all, from here on out, it's all new. It's all great. And so far, we have really enjoyed the two episodes that uh, we've seen that we haven't had any idea what's coming forward. And that, I think, is really, really cool because the last two episodes are shaping up to be really exciting and our the child is in danger someone's got to go rescue him uh the week after next week the week after december 11th will be the season finale and season three is still in pre-production hey i hope you've enjoyed today's recap episode i hope we get a chance to talk to tim and andy about their thoughts um but again contact us and let us know until then this is the way and may the force be with you always You're very special, kid.